Um, good evening, everyone. It's uh, great to, to see you here. Um, it's great to be at Rehope West End evening service. Um, I've done three services today. Brian does this every week. I think he's an absolute hero. Um, but it's great to be with you. So uh, glad to be here uh, to share with you from God's Word. It's a privilege. And um, we're back in Advent again. I don't know what your year was like, but when Brian got up last week, and said we're back in December, I thought that year has gone really quick. We're back in Advent. And um, I don't know if any of you were at any of the uh, carol concerts this week. Uh, anyone from this evening services here? Wasn't it a great time? I thought it was a carol concert. It turned into be more like a cabaret of music and entertainment. And uh, Laura and Naomi, I think they did a, a great double act. And someone actually said to me at the end of the carol concert, they were better than Ant and Dec. So there you go. I mean, that's pretty good. Um, it was that good. Um, the, yeah, Advent. It's great. And that's our hope through all these extra events that we have at Rehope. Um, the carols, uh, the singing, the nativity, the watch night that's going to be coming up is to be remembering in this season that we are in a time where we can remember that Jesus has come. He was that notable person, an important person who has come once and is going to come again. And I just hope that that Advent message, as we expect uh, Jesus to come back, is with you. And that is, is what the excitement and the, the joy that we've been celebrating is, is been for. And tonight we're going to look at Advent, uh, the, four, the four pillars uh, that, that make up Advent. Tonight we're going to look at the second one. We had hope last week. And tonight I'm going to be speaking on love. Love, the L word. Um, and it is a massive subject. I've been thinking as I've been preparing for this, love is a massive subject. Um, there's lots that we talk about, about love, lots of interests that we have for love, whether it is um, football or F1 or tie-dye t-shirts or, um, yeah, dire straits. I don't know, that might be your band. Um, there's loads of things that we love. There's love songs. We all probably have a favorite love song. Um, mine is... Um, uh, Where is the Love by Black Eyed Peas? That's my favorite love song. It's not, they're not really hitting the nail on the head. It's not a soppy love song. It's a bit alternative. But it's, it's my sort of thing. Artists depict it. We were looking at some art there. Great art by, by, by the team. Um, in movies, we go to watch it. People flock uh, to see movies on love. And the love books, the love novels, they jump off the shelves. People love to read a good love story. I think when it comes to love, we all have a vested interest. Don't we? We all have our thing that we like about love. And love is a genius idea. And what I wanted to do as we engage our minds this evening and think about that is to just give credit to God for the idea and the reality of love. That love comes from God. Any expression of love or any person we love that's loved us that we've experienced is because God came up with the idea. It was his idea. And it, it can be tracked back to him. And I don't know, you know, if, if that's just hitting you. When I was thinking that through, it's, it's a tough one to process because um, what would life look like if we unplugged all love from all facets of life? I think life would look pretty terrible pretty quickly. Um, but we have love. God has given it. And true love is from God. And in a world where there's lots of things that calls itself love, love is branded in so many ways um, I thought tonight I'd like to encourage us this Advent uh, to look at love in its original and best form, um, the love of God. So we're going to be looking at that. It was his idea, and we're going to go to his word. And 
that leads me to my first point. We're going to look at the characteristics of love. And the first one I'm going to look at is God's love is steadfast. God's love is steadfast. And I'm going to look at uh, uh, some readings from the Old Testament. That's where we're going to be looking initially tonight. And as I looked at love references in the Bible, there was over 500 I picked up on. 300 or thereabouts were in the Old Testament. And the first one I want to pick from is uh, King Solomon from 2 Chronicles 6, verse 14. This is King Solomon speaking. Um, and I thought he was quite a good reference because he was recognized as being not only a, a very wealthy king at the time, but he was the wisest king on the earth. And this is what he had to say as he dedicates uh, the temple in Jerusalem, the first temple. He's praying, he's up on the altar as he prays. O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven or on earth keeping covenant and showing steadfast love to your servants who walk before you with all their heart. That was King Solomon. In about 950 BC, if we go on 500 years later, the same claim, the same description of God's love is made by Nehemiah. Um, now, therefore, Nehemiah says, our God, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love. A covenant is like God's unbroken promises. So God's unbroken promises, that's what a covenant is. So we have these two references 500 years apart. And I don't know about you, but steadfastness, it doesn't seem like a really exciting characteristic of love. Because if you're saying, oh, you know, I just know steadfast love from someone. And you think some days it might not really excite you. But I think it is. I think it is. Being steadfast is great. It's always there. If we know steadfast love, it's always there. It's something that we can depend upon. It's something that we can get used to. We can get used to how it affects us and we can get used to how we react back. And we can, we can build our lives upon it. We can build on it. And um, I wanted to use a, f a quote by Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury was the lead singer of the rock band Queen. Um, they rocked the world, filled up stadiums. Um, his quote at the end of his life, he was quoted as saying, um, he missed one thing. He reached all the heights of fame and success, but he said he missed a loving, ongoing relationship, something that was always there. And he knew in playing in front of stadiums that people adored him in that moment, but there was nothing behind it. He, he didn't know steadfast love. So what does God's steadfast love uh, mean for us? What does it mean? Well, God loves us in all seasons of life. That's what it means. When we are ill or when we are in a low place, whether we're eight or whether we're 88, or whether life has us in Glasgow or across the world in Hong Kong, or whether we you know, work under the sea in a submarine or wherever, or um, whether we're like our senior pastor Brian this week, who we know is on sabbatical, and he's in Hawaii on a lilo, perhaps. I don't know. Maybe he is. Don't quote me. But um, he, uh, would that be Brian's thing? I think it probably would be. It probably would be Brian's thing. Um, he loves us. He loves us through every season of life. He also loves us when we are proud and when we wrong him or say words that are ugly or sinful or we treat others that he loves inappropriately. He loves us when we do things wrong, when we get ourselves in a mess and he loves us in, a, in our darkest times. That's what his everlasting and steadfast love um, means. Or in harsh times of life, times in life where we're confused, or we don't understand what's going on. I've been in times like that. We can't make sense of life. He loves us. And this isn't like a, a Tinder love. 
This isn't like a lasting love or like a summer relationship love, which is really exciting for two or three months and then is gone. It just evaporates. It's, it's nowhere to be seen. And I think we, you know, God's love is enduring. And one thing we sometimes do when we test things, we just wait to see what time will tell, don't we? Whether it's a new job or a new boss or a new friendship. And we can do that with God's love and know that in 10 years, in 30 years, in 50 years, maybe you can look back to Advent last year and think, wow, God really was with me all this year. This is what he says about love. This is from First Chronicle, First Corinthians 13. He says in, his own, in, in the word that love never fails. That's what God said about love, that love never fails. But was steadfast love, if we think about God's characteristic of steadfast love, was it his end point? Was it God's point that we just knew his steadfast love? Well, he wanted his people in the Old Testament to be obedient and to be faithful. And it's not a love that says, you're fine where you are, let's just get out the deck chairs, let's just bask in his love, let's crack open a few lemonades, let's just chill, God loves us. That wasn't what he was aiming at. Um, God was looking for obedience and he was looking for a response in a, a, like we would in a relationship. And if we go back to these readings um, in Second Chronicles, um, we, we know God's people, they discovered that, they were aware of that. So we're just going to go back to... Um, Solomon, Second Chronicles, just shortly after this, this first prayer, um, God says in response, the same dialogue, if only your sons pay close attention to their way to walk in my law as you have walked before me. God's law being the Old Testament, if only they would walk in the, my commandments, sorry, my commandments. Nehemiah, he confesses in a similar way, um, if we go back to his prayer, our kings, our princes, our priests, and our fathers have not kept your law or paid attention to your commandments and your warnings that you gave them. And this is the dilemma that we see in the Old Testament, that God was being loving, but his people couldn't be obedient. And they were missing the response to God's love, not just his love, but his, his holiness and his righteousness too. So what now? They were loved, but they weren't obedient. Is that so okay? Well, that leads me to my second point. Uh, God's love is a saving love. It's a saving love. And God responded in the most loving way. He sent Jesus. And that was the first advent, the first time that we expected that important person, um, God's son, um, that first Christmas. I'm going to read from 1 John. And just a quick warning, there's a lot of love in this passage. All the guys, just, just let's get ready for it. I just sort of prepare you. If you take a deep breath. There's a lot of love. Um, don't freak out. These are Jesus' words. Beloved, which means loved of God. Loved of God. Let us love one another. For love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. Because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might, live, we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, which means to make up for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So Jesus came as a saving provision from God to do the most loving thing. He came down 
uh, to be with us in our disobedience, in our unfaithfulness. Jesus came down, and another version of the Bible, another um, translation describes it as he moved into the neighborhood. That's in the message. That's how close he wanted to be with us. He moved into the neighborhood. It was God taking on flesh to be with us. And he came to tell us the truth. He came with a message. And his message was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He was fully obedient to his father. He was fully faithful to God. And there's, um, at this time, you can remember that. It was Emmanuel. It was God with us, with you and with me. And there's a story I love that depicts this. It's borrowed from Wade, who was here in the morning. Um, he's been in this church for a while now. And uh, this goes back about eight years. And Wade was on the hunt for the biggest Christmas tree he could find, right? He had this idea. So after the end of December into January, he found himself up in Hindland in the back streets of some of the big houses there. And he found the biggest tree he could get. He, he took it back to the church here uh, with his friend. And he wanted to do something. He was going to hack it up and he was going to make a cross out of it. And he did it. I like the fact he didn't use a sort of nice circular saw and do it in nice finished straight cuts. Um, he used a, a small axe and he, he made it quite rough, quite rugged. And he hacked up. And it was two, it was a nice big cross. And it sat at the front of this church for about six or seven years. Some of you probably remember it. And I love it. it was just, it's, it's always been uh, a simple and powerful reminder for me that, that when Jesus came at Christmas, and that first Christmas, we know that it's turned into trees and, and retail and presents and parties at work and lots of different things that go around and along with it. But that first Christmas, he was coming to save. He was coming in a saving act. And it was leading as a baby. It was leading to the cross. And just the power of that. And it was a symbol that always stuck, that stuck with me. It might help you now. And I hope that is a message that rests with you today. It's a hope, I hope that's a message which you know. Um, this Advent. That God, who's the origin of love, he knows it in its best expression. He came to show us the best expression of love. Uh, to give us Jesus as a baby. And it was a saving love. That if we trust him, that all our disobedience, all, un all our unfaithfulness, all our sin... Uh, we'd be taken away at the cross. Love that. Uh, so why is it important that we know uh, God's love? Why do I want you to know God's love this evening? Well, when we, when we know we're loved, we act in a different way, don't we? When we know we're loved, we act in a different way. And that's true for relationships we know in this life, and it's true with our, with our love for, from God. Love makes us feel stronger. It has an amazing effect on us. It's hard even to quantify I was thinking in preparation for this, how could I describe love? And then I just thought, I can't, because it's, how can you describe it? It's, it's amazing. It's an amazing transaction that we can be a part of. Um, and the, the enemy, he hates us to know this truth. He hates us to know that we're loved by God. It has an effect on us as his children. And we've been aware of that at Rehope, haven't we? As we see people come in, we see people that are angry. And, you know, they've been angry for a long time in life. They just have anger issues or they're bitter about life. They've got nothing to displace the bitterness. Or they, they think they're worthless. They've just got a, a low, low impression of the self. They don't think they're cherished. They don't know that God loves them. And in Alpha, especially, we've known that. We've known year after year that people come in and, and, and their, their whole countenance, their whole um, uh, demeanor changes as they experience and get used to the love of God. 
And I'm sure you may have your own, you may have your own stories as well of how it's affected you. So that's God's love, his saving love. And it's a love for us to let out. It's God's love is a love for us to let out. That's my third point. Um, 1 John 4 verse 11, if we just go back to that reading, the last um, um, verse in 11, um, Jesus is saying, Beloved, um, if God so loved us, you also ought to love one another. We also ought to love one another. And it's not really rocket science, is it? What, what Jesus is pointing out, it's not rocket science. If the God that loves us has brought us into a loving relationship, he's made all mankind, that we should also love uh, like he did. So how are we getting on with that at the end of 2019? Is that something for us to think about? Is that something for us to just come back to and be refreshed in by God? Love is not optional. It's not an optional extra um, for us. Uh, do you, and, and if we go back to the main reading, if we just go back, uh, thank you. Um, yeah, what God's saying is, oh, if you know God, uh, you, know, you know love. You can't separate the two. God's saying, if you know me, you will know love. And we should respond to his love by loving God and also loving those around us, loving others, loving God back and others. And let's not be those who want to receive it. You just love the idea of love. We love to receive it, but we don't want to give it. You know, that's been stingy. That's just been, um, yeah, attention-seeking. Um, and not really, uh, we're not making the world go round, I don't think, if we just hoard all this love. And I don't even know if we could do that. I think one of the amazing things about love is um, the more we have, the more we give away. The more love that you possess, the more you give away. And that's, that's, that's just the natural law, the natural way that love works. We can't hoard it. We can't store it up. And you might be listening to this tonight and you're thinking, well, well David, that's great. I mean, you know, love sounds great. I mean, I'm, I'm sold on the idea, but I, I just don't have the capacity to love. Like, I've had a tough year. I'm feeling pretty low in love. I don't really know where I would get the capacity or, or I've come against a barrier. Like, I, you know, I like loving, but it gets a certain point. Where are that person or the way they write that email or... I don't know, it's just the way they talk to me at work. It just isn't headed. You know, that, that could be what we're thinking about. And I just want, to, want you to know that, that God fills us up with his love. Um, and the amazing, the amazing thing about spending time with Jesus is that it has side effects. It has side effects. And what Jesus wants to do when we are spending time with him, when we're reading his word, is he wants to share with us his love. And he gives us his Holy Spirit. Um, and in another part of the Bible, it says um, his Holy Spirit, we receive the fruits of the Holy Spirit as we receive his Spirit. And the first fruit of the Spirit is love. When God wants to meet with us, he wants to fill, up, fill us up with love. And I don't know if that is this helpful for you. In quiet times recently, I've just been aware of wanting to receive more from God, wanting to, seeing that as more of a transaction where I'm receiving just with being with Jesus. And he is actually imparting his love to us. Um, so, I'm glad that he also commanded us to love. God could have commanded us to do many different things. He could have said to us, well, I want you to be boring. You know, as Christians, I want you to be in at nine o'clock or just have a weird curfew that Christians sort of have to keep. To, I don't know, or wear our hair a certain way or I, I don't know. Yeah, just lots of stupid things. God is God, but he asked us to love. And, and I think that's fantastic. I think it's amazing. The more I think about it, the more I see this world and what we need, what we need in this world. 
is love. God knew exactly what he was doing. So how does this apply to, to your setting? Uh, you know, outside of church, away from here, when you're with your family, your friends, uh, your colleagues. Um, well, in Jesus' example, um, when he was with his disciples, he, he didn't embarrass them, but he taught them. Uh, he taught them. And when he was with the, um, the lady caught in adultery, he didn't want to expose her shame. He actually turned away all those who wanted to shame her. And I think we can maybe just see that as, as we go out and we're as carriers and as we operate out of his love, that we can do that in this world too. That as we, wherever we are, whether we're mums and dads or students or teachers or managers and bosses um, and, and cleaners and wherever, whatever we do, um, that we should be operators and that we should be letting the love of God out. So I hope this Advent that we get more used to God's steadfast love over us, that we're aware of his steadfast love, that we're rejoicing at this time of year in his saving love, that he, he died for our sins and that as freed people, uh, that we get to enjoy that, we get to rejoice at this time of year and more than anyone. And I hope that as this Advent comes around again, that we would be, yeah, I'm just, I'm just planning to hopefully get more mature, hopefully get more learned in loving God back and in seeing what he meant by the importance of love. Um, and, and I just hope that you've got that hope as well, that we know that Jesus is coming back again. That's what Advent means. So I just declare tonight, um, I'm just finishing now, and I just declare over 2019, God's love over you. And I just, I just, I just uh, declare it over 2020 as well, that you would know God's love, that his everlasting and steadfast love will go before you. And I just hope that you'd be reacting to it and knowing it in a personal way. So we've got some challenges um, just to take away. Uh, challenge number one, um, in a quiet time, give thanks uh, to God. Um, give, give God thanks, sorry, that love comes from him. Give space uh, for the Holy Spirit to work and stir up where God's love wants to work in your life. And I've just put there Psalm 136, which is a great psalm. It, it just, every second sentence, it reminds us that God's love endures forever. And if you want to meditate on that, I just encourage you to do that as you spend time with God. And then... Uh, ...and tell him why you love him. Yeah, I was just spending time in, in, in my own quiet times and I was just aware that, that, that God was saying you're chosen. God's word says that we are chosen. And if, if we're hearing this message tonight, God has chosen you. He's chosen you to receive of his love. He's chosen you to receive new life at the, at the cross of Jesus. And, and I was just dwelling in that and, and just thinking, wow, the, that God chose me. And then I was just, it was just a quiet time. And, and then God was saying, do you choose me? And I just felt God wanted me just to react in, in that relationship I have with him. So in your quiet time, maybe in the worship set at the end here, you might just want to use that just to say, God, I choose you again. You're my life choice. You're, you're what I want today. And then let the love out. Ask that God's love fills you um, and act upon it. Love, love someone. Love someone in your life in a practical way, whether it's someone at work or someone at the church or uh, one of your friends. Do it in a practical way. Um, which is, yeah, and I had some earlier notes. I said, send someone a text or an email. And I'm just going to just edit that. Don't send someone a text or an email to tell them that you love them. 
do something something far more personal, do something more more loving, Um, give them a gift, buy them something, or yeah, Um, so that's our challenges, so I just wanted to, to pray.